Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Links and Locks podcast, the DFS edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from RotoWire. We're going to get into the Memorial Tournament. Lots of big-name players, lots of interesting plays for this week's event at Muirfield Village. And before we get started, I've got some uh, stuff on Twitter that I didn't like this past weekend. I'm not happy right now. You're not happy? A little bit. What's up? The Twitter people are dragging me down a little bit. I said it was probably on the ninth hole. He's probably about to make the turn. Harold Varner, playing well, tied for the lead, or right there, close to it. And I said, you know, one of these Sundays is going to be Harold Varner's Sunday. Could be this one. It wasn't a, you should put your money on Harold Varner. It wasn't a, I guarantee he's going to win. It wasn't even a, hey, I, I got a good feeling about Harold. It was a, eh, well, could be this one. It wasn't this one. It was not this Sunday for Harold Varner at Colonial. Sam Burns winds up beating Scotty Scheffler in a playoff. Harold Varner shoots a 45 on the back nine, goes triple, double, triple at one point. I probably could have helped him out a little bit. There's not usually a time when, I could help out a professional golfer. I, I might have been able to help him out with a shot here and there. So you're saying that people on Twitter were not nice. People on Twitter were not nice. Yes. I didn't realize it before. I, I thought everyone on Twitter was like super nice. And they were like, hey, that's okay. Don't Man, I got a lot of mean. To- well, it wasn't his Sunday. Like five hours later. Hey, guess you were wrong. Old takes exposed. I get it. Okay. This could be his Sunday was. Yes, I get it. That was a super scalding hot take, and I was wrong about that, Len. So to all the people out there who follow along on Twitter as well, my apologies to them. It wasn't his Sunday, and I apologize for saying maybe, I don't know, could be this one. So It was kind of hard to watch, though. It was. Uh, seriously, he's got to uh, get rid of these big rounds. You know, he had one at the Masters. He shot an 80. He's obviously a very good player, top 40 player, but got to get rid of those. It's not been good for him when he gets into contention. I will absolutely admit that, and I think we all know that. By the way, when the year started, I did a few pieces where I sort of matched up players against each other. Like, who would you take for the whole year, him or him? And I tried to take like-minded players. I matched up Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Because Hmm. coming into 2022, 
Sam Burns had one win. Or I guess he had two wins at that point. Scotty Scheffler hadn't won yet, but it, he kind of knew it was coming. So who would you take for 2022? And it was a very good question at the time. Right now, you'd probably go, ah, come on. Scotty Scheffler won the Masters. He's got a green jacket. He's number one in the world. Sam Burns, Len, is not that far behind him. Sam Burns now has four wins in the last 13 months. He's really, really good. I'm not ready to say he's at the same level as Scotty Scheffler. All credit to Scotty. Deserves to be number one in the world. Deserves everything that comes his way. Sam Burns not that far behind him. They're really good friends, both 25 years old, both with a ton of talent and a ton of big years in front of them. But Sam Burns uh, is not that far behind. I think the difference isn't so much in the regular tour events, but it's in the majors. I mean, even before Scheffler won the Masters, he had been circling in a lot of majors. He's been there. And Sam Burns really hadn't been, but he was very quietly 20th at the PGA. So I think that's the next step. And that's the separation for the two of them, that once we see Burns start to play well in the majors, not necessarily even win them, but he seems to be moving that direction now. Yeah, no doubt. That's a good point. Let's move forward to this week's Memorial Tournament. And this is one. And I feel like, Len, there are a handful. There are a lot of tournaments on the schedule. I mean, there were what are there, 48, 49 tournaments on the PGA Tour schedule every single year. And there are a lot of them where we look at it on a Monday as we sit and do the podcast. We say, well, you got to be a good ball striker at this one. And yeah, okay, we get it. If you hit it really well from tee to green, you're probably going to be pretty good. You're going to find yourself on the leaderboard that week. Muirfield Village, maybe even a little bit more so. I feel weird saying it, Len. I feel like at some point we're almost crying wolf. We're like, hey, yeah, you got to be a good ball striker. Tee to green is really important because we say it almost every single week. This week, I mean it more than I usually do. Tee to green is very, very important at this golf course. I didn't know there were only like 48 or 49 tournaments a year. It seems like 80 or 85 (laughs) to me sometimes. But yeah, I love Muirfield Village. I love writing about Muirfield Village and like watching the tournament. It's Jack Nicholas. He makes you win the tournament. This is his signature course. What I like to say, it's the perfect golf course. And I don't mean perfect because it's not St. Andrews or Augusta or Pebble Beach or anything like that. But you've got to use every club in your bag, ball striking and other things. Everything gets harder later. He lets you have some room off the tee, but then everything gets really hard around the green. The back nine is harder than the front nine. And the end of the back nine, 16 and 17 and 18, tend to be the hardest holes or two of the three hardest holes on the course every year. You really have to do your scoring on the par fives. That's where you can make your hay on this course. None of them is 590. But even that, the two par fives on the back are statistically harder than the two on the front. So it's just wonderfully thought out and wonderfully crafted. And it's just Jack Nicholas. Yeah, absolutely. And other than the... David Lingmurth, Will McGirt exacta that we had back in 2015, 16, and all credit to those guys. A couple of my favorite times covering this event. Maybe my favorite time ever covering an event was David Lingmurth winning this in 2015. He's in the press conference. His wife is FaceTiming with his parents from Sweden and holds up the phone to Jack Nicholas and said, hey, will you say hi to David's parents in Sweden? And FaceTime was still sort of new at that point. And Jack Nicholas, like, any good grandfather holds up the phone in front of his face like, hello, this is Jack <laughs> Nicholas in Ohio. And I, it's just to, 
to this day, it's one of my favorite stories ever. I mean, I got absolutely no idea what was going on. He was mesmerized. The fact that he's talking to David's parents in Sweden while he's sitting there at Muirfield Village. He thought it was so cool. And so That's two so really fun. good years there. But other than that, last quarter century, it's mostly been studs that win at this golf course. And we start looking at the top of the board at DraftKings this week as far as DFS, John Rahm. No surprise, he's 11,100. He is at the top of the board, followed by Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantley, Colin Morikawa, and Xander Shoffley, the guys with five digits next to their names. And it's really hard not to like John Rahm. We talk about narrative street all the time. You want a narrative? How about the 2020 champion who's leading by six through 54 holes, who gets pulled off the golf course after he finishes on Saturday evening last year, told he has COVID, has to withdraw from the event. Now, granted, John's probably okay with it considering he won the U.S. Open two weeks later. It all worked out for him, but there's a little unfinished business going on. I love John Rahm this week. The problem in DFS, of course, is if you play him at the highest price, you've got to find some guys to back it up later. I was looking back at that tournament, and he was leading by six in an elite field. Of course, he could have been caught. It sure looked like a win. When you look that he won the U.S. Open a couple of weeks later, probably the best month of golf in his life. And he only had one win to show for it. I'm a little concerned about him. I mean, yeah, he definitely has unfinished business. I'm sure he's been thinking about this for, if not the whole year, but for months leading up to it, but he's not playing as well. His short game, and we do need every club in the bag this week. So I don't know. I'm not sure about John Rahm. If push comes to shove, I'm more Rory McIlroy, who's right behind him, doesn't have quite the history at Memorial, but decent. And of course, has been great of late with top tens in both majors. So yeah, it's a little dicey for me, but 11-1 is not terrible to have to pay for a top guy. It's hard to parse through this top tier because like you said, Rory's Rory and he's been playing well. And at some point we expect Rory to just say, let's step on the gas pedal and go and for four straight rounds and play my best golf. It hasn't happened recently, but it's going to happen. I think Patrick Cantley he's the beneficiary of John Rahm getting the COVID positive test last year. He wound up beating Colin Morikawa in a playoff. Those guys right there, Xander Shoffley right behind. And I still think Shoffley's a little overpriced for that range. If it's not Rahm for me, I don't mind fading these guys at the top, at least in DFS lineups. And let's try to find a more balanced lineup. I think I'm going to have a lot of sort of balanced guys, in the eight thousands and high seven thousands this week. If I don't take one of these top guys, but moving down the list a little bit in the nine thousands, Cameron Smith, Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Shane Lowry. Any of those guys get you excited? There is talk that there are some similarities, at least skill set wise, between this week and Augusta, which would seem to be a green light special for Cameron Smith. Mm. But you look at Cameron Smith's record here. He's played it like six or seven times. He's never been in the top 60. He misses the cut most of the time. I think he's made two cuts, both finished in the 60s. It's kind of perplexing. Granted, he's a better player now, but this was even last year. So I'm a little scared by him. Jordan Spieth, I like him at 97. He had a terrible week last week. He finished seventh. I know he probably let a lot of people down because a lot of people thought he would win and bet him accordingly and stuff, but he was Mm -hmm. seventh. 
and it was an off week. So yeah, I see what you're saying about Xander Shoffley. For Shoffley to be $500 more than Jordan Spieth seems completely out of whack. So in that regard, Jordan Spieth is very favorably priced. Will Zalatoris, probably the best thing that happened to Will Zalatoris last week was missing the cut. Yeah, You know, it was kind of expected, but good. Let him have a little break. I like him at 94. He does his best work on these longer, harder tracks. So I like him as well. Shane Lowry, we talk about him every week. He had an off week at the PGA Championship. Yes, he finished 23rd. That was his bad week. So I like those three guys most in that group. I like those ideas. Will Zalatoris reminds me of Scotty Scheffler last week, which is miscut. Scotty missed the cut at the PGA Championship, got a couple extra days off, went into the Colonial with a little renewed focus going into that and wound up, of course, nearly winning the golf tournament, losing in a playoff. Will Zalatoris missing the cut last week. I feel like he comes out to this one with some focus the same way Scotty did. Victor Hovland has not played very well at this golf tournament, 48th and 49th in two starts. I look at this golf course and I think it's a perfect Victor Hovland golf course. A lot of six, seven, eight irons into the greens, even five irons into the greens. This is a Victor Hovland specialty. I will be surprised if he doesn't play better than he has in the past. Hideki Matsuyama won here back in 2014. Hideki's been, I think, led over the last month and a half, two months, the hardest player in the world to figure out because we saw him withdrew from the Players' Championship before he started, withdrew from the Valero Tex Open after one round, had a little neck back injury, and we said, okay, let's stay away from Hideki. They defended his title at the Masters and finished 14th, and we said, oh, all right, maybe we're back on Hideki. Then he took five weeks off. We didn't see him. He came back at the AT&T Byron Nelson. Uh, I don't know, five weeks off, and he was hurt before that. Let's stay away. Finished in third place. Now he's okay, all on Hideki. Let's go. He's ready to go back. Green light. Finished in 60th place at the PGA Championship. Now we go, wait, what? Are we supposed to be on him? Are we supposed to not be on him? I'm back on Hideki this week. He's been very, very tough to figure out, like I said, but I do think this is a really good golf course for him. And then I go down to Shane Lowry, and I have been singing the praises of Shane Lowry and how much I love him for the U.S. Open in two weeks. I have a bad, bad feeling. This has happened a lot to me over the years, Len, that the guy that I really like to go out and, if not win a major, at least play really well, is going to go kill his odds, kill his DFS price by playing really well in his last start beforehand. Actually, he might be playing the Canadian Open next week. I'm not even sure about that. But in any case, two weeks beforehand, I think Shane Lowry could have a really good week. Firestone, not on the schedule anymore, but Firestone, obvious correlation to the Ohio course like uh, Muirfield Village this week. So I, I think he can have a really good week as well. All right. The 8,000 guys, M, Cameron Young, Max Homa, Davis Riley, Daniel Berger, Corey Connors, Joaquin Neiman, Abe Anser, Keegan Bradley, Mito Pereira, Seamus Power. Who do you like? In the 8,000s, there's the one pocket, I mean, other than the 6,000s, where I'm, I'm struggling to find someone. And it's the lower 8,000s. There's not a lot there that's catching my eye, but I do like Cameron Young. You can't kick the guy off the podium. It's three, two, three. Yeah. Cameron Young and Davis Riley, I don't think they played these tournaments before, these courses before. They're coming on. Davis Riley last week at Colonial, where you really could use experience and maybe the experience factor caught up with him toward the end when he sort of kicked it away on the back nine. Yeah. The weather was the case, but both of these guys are answering every call. And I like Max home at 87. This is Max home again at another 
long, hard track. Max Homa happens to lead the tour in par five scoring for 550 to 600 yards. It's a, a real sweet spot for him and very important stat this week. I like those three guys. And then all the way down at the bottom of that, Mito Pereira, you know, what a surprise it was last week. Just the fact that he was able not only make the cut, you know, Justin Thomas, Will Zalatoris missed the cut. They went home. He made the cut. He finished seventh. I mean, fantastic, fantastic performance. I don't know if he's not going to get tired or if he's going to get tired this week, but this would seem to be another good fit. And we'll see how he does. I like him. Yeah, the irony of Mito Pereira rolling in a 22-foot par putt on 18 when he least needed it. I mean, a week after a par would have gotten him a major championship. That's a little cruel there. All right, I will start mine with Cameron Young. At some point, we just look at him and go, yeah, okay, he's a rookie. He's really, really good. And Len, I get it. Just like you said, he's playing this golf course for the first time. I would venture to say that based on his game, even though he's had top three finishes each of his last three starts, at Harbortown, at TBC Potomac, at Southern Hills, I kind of think Muirfield Village suits his game better than any of those. Maybe TBC Potomac was right up there, but I think it's a great Cameron Young week. I really like him. Max Homa, 8,700. I feel like at this point, Max is basically playing with house money, and a golfer playing with house money is very, very dangerous when he's already got two wins this season. He's already got maybe a spot on the President's Cup team. Sure, he's still playing for that, but I think Max Homa is very dangerous, played well here last year. And then I go down to Keegan Bradley, and I, I've got some stats here on Keegan. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He is top 20, Lennon, strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained tee to green. He's top 30 in approach shots and he's top 50 around the greens. And I know most of the people listening right now are going to go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And, and the yeah, but for Keegan is always his putter, man. He, he's, he's not a good putter. Tina Green is fine, but he's, he's not a good putter. And I would contend he's an above average putter. That's not opinion. Fact, based on strokes gained putting this year, Keegan Bradley is now, it's not great. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Keegan Bradley is the best putter on the PGA Tour, but he is literally above average yes. in strokes gained putting this year. And so you put all those things together, and I think this could be another really good week for Keegan. He's been playing really solid golf lately. The 7,000s, I tell you what, Len, this is usually a sweet spot. I usually get to the 7,000s. I'm like, I like all these guys. This is usually a place where I see a ton of value. I've only got three or four guys this week. It starts, though, with Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar has played this event 17 times in the past. He's got, I believe, seven top 10 finishes and... 10 top 25 finishes. 
He's won here before, and he's playing well right now. I think Matt Kuchar is a very, very sneaky play at 7,800. In fact, I'll have a ton of Matt Kuchar in my lineups this week. Moving down a little bit more in the 7,000s, Alex Norton is a guy who's very solid. I like him. Aaron Wise is a guy that I just can't get away from. I, I just think he's better than the numbers that are next to his name right now. Going down the list a little bit, I get down to 7,100. Luke List has been great since his win at Torrey Pines at the Farmers Insurance Open earlier this year, but I like Luke List this week. And then Stuart Sink has been playing some solid golf, and he's played here. We talk about Matt Kuchar playing here a million times. Stuart Sink's played here a million and one times. He's got a ton of experience on this golf course. I like him as well. Along those lines of Matt Kuchar and Stuart Sink, Adam Scott has played here not quite as many times. I think he's played here 13 times. He's missed only one cut. He's had four top tens. He was second to Cantlay in 2019, so fairly recently played this course well. He's only 7,700. That's the sweet spot that we come to in the upper sevens. The guy can fit in any lineup if you like that guy. Chris Kirk is also 77. He's played well in this tournament. He played well last week. I'm a little afraid of Jason Day. Classic case of a guy who kills this course. He's great every year, but he's just not the same guy anymore. I'm with you on Alex Noren. I'm with you on Aaron Weiser. I'm looking down in the lower sevens to try and find someone there. Again, you might need that position for your lineup. I'm looking at Anurban, Lahiri, and C.T. Pan. All right, getting down to the 6,000s. Not a ton of guys I like here. Troy Merritt, man. I love the fact that Troy Merritt went after some Twitter trolls last week. Uh, a player after my own heart going after the trolls who are saying, oh, man, after the first round, you were terrible. Hey, come on, get after him, Troy. I can't believe I'm saying this. Patrick Rogers, who is a guy that I probably spent eight years playing him in DFS lineups from the start of him getting onto the PGA Tour. And it usually doesn't work out very well, but he had really good tee to green numbers on Sunday at Colonial. He's a Midwest guy. He's played well here in the past. Not great, played well. I could see some Patrick Rogers love out there. Brendan Steele at 6,600. I think it's a really good price for him. Eric Van Royen, same price. I like that. Sahith Figala, 6,500. It's hard to pass over Matthew Wolf at 6,500. I mean, you know, at any given moment, he can go out there and play as well as anybody in the world. I just 6,500. That's such a low price. I can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. But if you really want to, and, and you're playing a big contest, I don't have a problem with it necessarily. And then one really low price guy out there, another Ohio native. He's played here in the past. Justin Lauer. He's not having a Cameron Young, Davis Riley type of rookie season, but he's hanging in there. He's playing well. He's got three top forties in his last six starts. At 6,200, he's going to have a lot of friends and family, I'm sure, rooting for him from outside the gallery ropes. I don't mind a Justin Lauer play in a couple of lineups as well. I do like Brendan Steele. He's had a good record here. Again, very good tee to green game. And he's at 6,600. Lucas Glover is right behind at 6,500. They're, they're so similar. Steele is 40th in strokes gained tee to green. Glover is 45th. They both make a lot of cuts here. Neither one the best putter. They're almost interchangeable for me this week. I mean, maybe save yourself $100. Maybe that'll matter to somebody. I know I like to go really low. I'm struggling. I'm not going to go back to Robert Streb, who's 6,000 again. He missed the cut at 6,000. But Tyler Duncan at 6,300 
had a very good week last week. He tied for 16th. Not that anyone's been on my case about Robert Streb, but, <laughs> but it's sort of a, an entree to mention Jason Duffner at 6,100. He's really not been a good player for a lot of years, but he comes back every year as a former champion. He makes the cut every year. I know one year we're going to say that and it's not going to happen, but we've probably been thinking that for five years. He's not going to make the cut this year. He's not going to make the cut this year, but he makes the cut every year somehow. You know what? You can spend your money on Jason Duffner. I'm not putting my money on <laughs> Jason Duffner anytime soon. He will not be in my lineups. I get it. I mean, there's a few. Charles Howell at 6,400. I mean, that, sure, if you really need, if you're going to load up on some high-priced guys. In fact, I just made a lineup a few minutes ago where I had four very high-priced guys, four guys in the 9,000s. And so I needed two guys in the mid sixes. Yeah, I can see Charles Howell. Kurt Kitayama's been playing really well. He blew up on Sunday at Colonial a little bit, but he's been playing some good golf as well. We are now joined by the hosts of the Better Golf Podcast, Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. These guys are betting experts and specialists in the finishing position markets here to provide their favorite top five, top 10, and top 40 plays for the Memorial Tournament. Thank you, Jason. We are very excited to be back with the Action Network here for the Memorial at Mirfield Village. I will start us off on the top placement market with Matt Jones. Top 40 is plus 225 on DraftKings. My model's got him priced at plus 175. Not a whole lot for me to love about Matt Jones. Seems like it's a guy I never really have action on, but he did have incredible iron play last week at Colonial, and he's in great form gaining strokes off the tee in nine of his past 12 events this season. More so, I'm just betting on the value here, or the expected value with my model and the price difference there, 50 points, plus 115 on FanDuel. My model's price is minus 135. He grades out as the best in the top 20 in terms of upside and safety in my model. He is deadly accurate off the tee. He's a solid ball striker, elite, long iron play, and very good around the green play as well. Course history is obviously great as well. I think he's got three top 30 finishes in his last four events. Usually the putter holds Siwoo back, but that seems to be not really the case here at Muirfield. I believe he's gained almost a stroke on average in the past four years since 2018. Spencer, what is on the card this week? Thanks, Nick. We seem to be on a lot of the same plays this week, which is encouraging, but I like the Siwoo Kim top 40 ticket also at plus 115 on FanDuel for a few reasons. I think pricing is rather solid across the board, and when that is the case, it means the chances we get a top name winning will exponentially increase. Long shots are more likely to take place when either the top of the board is overvalued or someone ends up being wildly underpriced. We do have a little of that potentially taking place on the second part of the answer, but a lot of my grabs in the placement market this week were led by those undervalued commodities that I wanted exposure to but didn't necessarily want to do it as an outright wager. Kim fits more of both worlds since we know he can win in a star-studded field, but we've seen him post four consecutive top 41 finishes at Mirfield Village since 2018, and while the current results are leaving something to be desired, the actual metrics look good when we eliminate putting. Kim has gained tee to green in 10 of 11 starts, averaging 3.4 to the field during that time frame. This is one of those bets where if he gets hot with the putter, he can compete to win. But I'll start with the safety route here before all else and back him to come top 40 at plus 115. I am also on Matt Jones top 40 plus 225 on DraftKings. As Nick said, that is plus 170 on FanDuel. A lot of these spots I am going to mention other than the Siwoo Kim play are situations where you almost have to close your eyes and check the app on Sunday to see if you have won. They are gross plays with heightened volatility, but I believe books have overinflated some of these prices for it being a reduced field. Jones's upside tends to come at these long courses that highlight around the green prowess. 
and he ranks 31st for me when running the model for win equity, 44th for overall rank, and 55th for safety. That safety number has me somewhat concerned, but it's a price grab at the end of the day. I like Lucas Glover top 40 plus 225 on DraftKings. That is plus 190 on FanDuel. I tend to not love the upside that Glover possesses because of the putter, but the irons have been absolutely dialed in at this moment, gaining 14.9 shots over his past two starts. The price at plus 225 is about 70 points off in my model, and he ranks 10th in this field when looking at a reweight of proximity mixture to mimic Mirfield. I took Eric Van Royen plus 170 on FanDuel. That is plus 125 on DraftKings. The edge starts to shrink quickly on this when I run it for safety, which is the most critical factor of a top 40. But it's a similar spot, as I mentioned, with Glover, where the ball striking has been on point for a few months, but the putting can't seem to get out of the dumps. The smaller field helps somewhat when trying to get into the weekend. And I do like his upside if he can happen to make a few shots with the flat stick. And then it wouldn't be the Better Golf Podcast if Nick didn't convince me to look into Chan Kim at plus 440. Kim is the top leverage play on my board for DraftKings on a golfer that doesn't have an injury concern. Tringali and Daniel Berger would be second and third if you're trying to find someone a bit safer to target. But there are much worse values to be found than that price, especially since my upside in the model has him take the largest jump if you give him four rounds. There is no guarantee of that since there is a cut, but the reduced field does help him out to potentially reach his ceiling this week. <laughs> there is no guarantee Chan Kim ever makes a cut, but that is my boy, a long hit or two. Hopefully he can get a couple plus roll because that's usually what holds him back. But we got Matt Jones, Siwoo Kim, Lucas Glover, Eric Van Royen, and Chan Kim in the top 40 market. We will kick it back to you, Jason, and good luck to everybody this week. All right, time to make our lineup. I think you and I are in concert on some of these plays, not all of them, but let's get to it. Let's make a little six-man lineup here. What do you like? I'm not going to go super up high. I know you have a favorite up there. I'm going to leave that slot open. I'm looking at Cameron Young and Max Homa, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of strange that Young is even priced higher than Homa, but... All right, Cameron Young, $8,800. Let's see him not do it every week. He plays a course he's never played before, and he does well. Here's another one. Yeah, I love it. I've got him in my preview this week on the Action Network as the DFS bingo square. Just play him and throw him in there. Usually it's a guy who's – it's a John Rahm. It's a Jordan Spieth. It's a type of guy that, hey, just – This guy will play well this week. I'm not sure I can remember the last time I played a guy that was a rookie who hasn't played the golf course. Cadbury Young shows up every single week. And like I said, I think this is a better golf course for him than any of the other ones that we've seen recently. I like the Max Homa idea. I may circle back to that one. Keegan Bradley at 8,100 is very interesting to me. I'm thinking Matt Kuchar. You know what? I'm going to go Keegan Bradley at 8,100. Really, really good results for Keegan Bradley over the last couple of months. We're going to go balanced. We weren't really thrilled with what way down there. Let's go with Shane Lowry. We didn't even mention he was sixth here last year. He hadn't had any good results at this course in a number of appearances until last year. Maybe it took him a while to figure it out. Sixth is pretty good for 9,000. He's going to fit in a lot of lineups too. I will probably have more Shane Lowry investment than any other player this week. So I'm completely on board with that. I think that's a really smart play. And if nothing else, I will play a lot of Shane Lowry this week just to make me feel better in two weeks at the U.S. Open because either he plays really well and it pays off this week or he doesn't play well this week and then the price doesn't get shorter in the betting marketplace and doesn't get bigger in the DFS marketplace. And so you can still play Shane Lowry at the U.S. Open if it doesn't play. So we've got just over 8,000 left to spend per player. 
I mentioned before, Matt Kuchar is one of my favorite plays on the board. He plays well here every single year, and the recent results are very, very solid. 34th, 12th, 49th, 3rd, 2nd, 16th, his last six starts. Quite honestly, Len, I thought Kuch might have been done earlier this year. He missed the cut in three out of four, and the fourth of those was a 67th place finish. And I'm like, ah, I just might be kind of not able to hang with these guys anymore. On certain course, he can do it. This is one of those golf courses. He knows this one as well as anybody. 7,800. I like him this week. Okay, we're down to two players. How much do we have left here? 16-3, 81.50 per man. And feel free to spend up. If you want to spend, I'll find some guy that's uh, lower priced. I think Jordan Spieth's going to have another good week. He's just playing well. He's played pretty well here before. He wasn't great last year. I think he was in the top 20 last year. But again, if there are Augusta parallels to this course, and there are, he should do well here. Jordan Spieth, 97. I like that. And that leaves 6,600 left. And I've got a player at 6,600 coming off a ninth place finish at the PGA two weeks ago. Brendan Steele's playing some really good golf. And look, he's a friend of mine. I talk to him all the time. He's playing really well. And I can tell you that maybe it's just a bias of mine, but boy, is he undervalued the marketplace on a weekly basis. I'm telling you, for him to be 6,600 coming off a ninth place finish at the PGA, there's a ton of value there. He hasn't had a whole lot of title contentions at Muirfield Village, but he doesn't miss the cut either. He's going to be there for four days. At 6,600, get me to Saturday, and then everything else is gravy. Let's see what happens. And we're going to throw him in the lineup. Keegan Bradley, Matt Kuchar, Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, Brendan Steele, Cameron Young. I really like that a lot. That's pretty good when you can get three guys who really can win the tournament. Like I said, I made one with four 9,000s. Then you got to dip down and figure out the right guys in the mid-6,000s, but... You can certainly do that, and you can make a decent lineup this week. I don't think that's a bad way of constructing a lineup for the Memorial Tournament. Good luck to everybody out there picking your lineups. And remember, you can listen to the Links and Locks podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can listen every single week. Subscribe, download, and rate us. This is a good rating, please. For Len Hockberg, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your DFS lineups for this week's Memorial Tournament. Here's hoping you in the green.